Welcome to the Event Tech Podcast, where we explore the ever-evolving world of event technology every week. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event management company on the cutting edge of trends. Now, let's talk tech. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Event Tech Podcast. The silent Will Curran is not with us today. He is on assignment, busily working someplace, furiously, someplace that is not here. But that's okay, because we are being joined by the needy Kyle Kaczynski from Endless Events. Actually, he's the implementation manager or the launchpad technician from Endless Events, who we've had on the show before. And I, of course, am the tedious Brant Kruger. Hey, Kyle, how are you doing? Oh, doing great, Brand. It's a great day to be enjoying summer and so glad to be back on Event Tech. All right. Sounds good. Um, so this today's topic came from, as as we knew that Will wasn't going to be here today, um, you and I just started sharing some some uh, conversations and Slack back and forth about, well, what should we talk about today? And, so, and you hit upon uh, what I thought was a, good, a really good topic, which is to talk about the state of audience response systems. We have a lot of talk these days about uh, engagement, you know, as people are doing online events and hybrid events and how do we keep people engaged? And, you know, I'm constantly hitting engage, engage, engage. And and so a lot of this is wrapped up in uh, getting feedback from our audiences. And this is something that is not new. You know, one of the best ways to wake everybody up and to get people thinking and, and, and squiggling in their chairs and, and paying attention again is to ask them a question. And so for literally years, we've been dealing with audience response systems of one way or another, polling systems, Q&A. Now we've got chat, you know, real-time chat and things like that going on in our events. So, so great topic idea, Kyle. And so what I'd like to do, if it's all right with you, is kind of start a little bit with the history of, of ARS. I'm, I'm, I'm probably double your age at this point, so it's I've got a little <laughs> bit more, more history when it comes to this stuff. And so um, just to give a little bit of background for anybody that kind of doesn't remember these eras is that, you know, the original audience response systems were quite literally button boxes. They were like, they looked like remote controls from the 1950s where they had, you know, four physical buttons on them and you handed them out to everyone at the, uh, you know, everyone at the conference. So there'd be one sitting on every chair and, uh, or one at every table setting. And then as you would go, your presenters would ask questions and there were very like, weird plugins for PowerPoint where you could bring up the polling, you know, and embed them in your PowerPoints. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. And there were these little radio hardware boxes that had to connect. Like some of them back in the day, if anybody remembers what an RS-232 port was, um, it, it's, it, if that's that's what we're talking about. It's like these, these kind of physical. And then at some point we upgraded to USB where you could actually plug in these things, these, these, these hardware boxes via USB. And even in in the day, like the software that was running this stuff looked like it came from about 1973. Um, it was it was this weird, these weird, like, you know, Windows 1.0 boxes. And they were they were a bit of a struggle, but they were pretty much bulletproof. Like they did work really well as long as because it was radio frequencies. And as long as you were within transmission range, uh, just like a microphone or anything else, like a clicker these days, um, they would register the votes. And what was really good about them 
is it was an effective way to make sure every vote registered. You could literally see a graphical representation of every clicker that was out there. And if you made sure that you had a one-to-one so that everybody out there had a clicker and there were no spare clickers, you could literally see that everyone had voted. And so it was very important for things like associations um, voting on bylaws or organizations voting on uh, you know, anything official votes, needing to know who vo- – because you could literally assign – one of these clickers to a person and so you would know whose vote was whose and all this kind of stuff all on the back end so it was a pretty extensive it looked like garbage but it was it was actually a pretty extensive ecosystem of how you could tabulate these responses and you know for being what it was which were hardware buttons and that's what we had for decades because it was all you know old it's old school technology it was radio frequencies and you know just somehow getting it into a computer and and tallying those votes right toward i i I feel like i feel really bad because there was a company that came out with like the next generation of these that were amazing and they came out with them like a year too late because we were already starting to um work our way into event apps like event apps were starting to already incorporate a lot of Q&A and polling and things like that we were already starting to see standalone software for polling and Q&A and voting and things like this that could easily be embedded into PowerPoints it looked better it presented the the polling better you know all of this stuff and like after this had started to be catching on for like a year is when it, it became Lumi. I forget the company that it is that it was before that um, came up with these beautiful things that looked like BlackBerry phones. And so the BlackBerry was huge at the time. Like the iPhone hadn't really you know caught on yet. It, that was working its way in. So it had a physical keyboard. So now not only could you do A, B, C, or D, you could type in responses on a physical like BlackBerry style keyboard. And even past that it had a microphone in it and so you could actually then hook up your your base station to your audio mixer and have people everyone had their own microphone so you could do Q&A without having to stand up and go to a microphone and uh, you know these are things we'll get to that in a second but you know it was this physical device still that you held in your hand it had a little touch screen on it I don't even think it was a touch screen just a little video screen on it um, that you could brand and, and these were super cool and they just bombed because they were really expensive because they'd just come out mm. um it was all hardware that was used in high-end cell phones, and already we were seeing software solutions. So that's kind of what leads us into, I'm guessing, where you started to get involved in, in a little bit more with technology and event apps and all that kind of stuff, right. is as we moved into the realm of the event app and the standalone apps like Poll Everywhere and Slido and all of those yeah. guys. Exactly. And and that's why I think this topic is so relevant today is because we saw a boom of event apps and platforms over the past few years. And now it's time to take a look back and see where did audience response technology go during this time. Uh, what we're really seeing is a lot of these platforms, like you mentioned, they already were integrating the, the live chat or the questions and the polls. But what we're also seeing in a trend for some more in-person only events is they're not looking for that event app anymore. They're not looking for that uh, for the uh, event platform. So being able to still have some a tool that you can 
be able to gather this information, it's still really important to be able to um, visualize what what the the response is like of the room without just standing up or without raising your hand. So, I think today it's you're now able to figure out that in person format of your session. What are some ways that you can maybe amplify or enhance some of those ways you were already asking questions or looking for participation. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of exciting um, trends we're seeing out there. But even if you look up today, uh, you're going to see the, that same type of technology you mentioned, hardware-based solutions. And for some, that still might be comfortable for them because they know it might be even reliable, not having to rely on uh, as much uh, internet. But now that everybody has the power of a mobile device in their hands, now it's just, uh, you know, as event planners and strategists trying to figure out when are the right times to bring up audience response uh, tools uh, into your mix. And I think I think that's, you know, where we're at with that right now is still kind of trying to keep up to or, or, or to get back to where we were with the hardware solutions. So, like I said, by the end there. We had a pretty magical device, right? Like we could type in, you know, we could type in our responses, we could do polling, we could send graphics back to the device, and it was a microphone that you could respond into and and be able to do Q&A. And so all of these things have been tried to be replicated in in, you know, on our phones and on the web and all of those kinds of things, but none of them have really gotten back to the point of being able to do all of that. And so we're using chat boxes and Q&A and things like that to replicate the speaking into the microphone thing. And there was even company, you know, like CrowdMics that tried to do the speak into your, your, your cell phone mm-hmm. thing as a microphone. And it just never really worked because it's trying to use technology that was never meant to do real-time audio, you know, going off to space, then bouncing back and then going through a sound system without having any latency. Yeah, the the latency is definitely one of, I think, the biggest components of what makes up a successful audience response system, that if you're going to have attendees who are trying to respond into the the in-person room uh, virtually, you know, when they're talking back to the MC... We're not. When are we waiting for thirty seconds for them to respond? If you're going to be asking a question in the room, yeah, the design doesn't make sense. Whereas you have to, if the person who's asking the question, are they hearing themselves on the loudspeakers as well? We we want that. We want the tools to not to disrupt the process that you know a simple session would look like. We just want to amplify and make it make their voices more heard, or even allow for those who are less comfortable with raising their hands be able to to ask and answer questions too. So, kind of as we're looking at what makes up an audience response system today, I would say first it needs to be easy to join. Whether that's you know hardware or software, a lot you'll, a lot of tools you'll see scan your device with a QR code or just put in a four digit code and, and a really quick and short link to get there. Um, also, being device friendly, so you know regardless of uh, you're using an iPhone or you're using a tablet uh, or you're on your laptop at home attending, being able to still have uh, be able to answer at the same rate. Um, 
And yeah, what we're seeing with you know, data visualization, I think that's one of the key differentiators between a lot of the audience response tools is when you've answered the question or you've shared your opinion, how is that represented to everybody? Uh, are you able to see where you rely on everyone else in the room? Um, or is that, you know, all of that information private? Um, or is that information then used later on throughout your event experience? I think that's where we're seeing even the power of what we can do with these responses. I was just talking about that this morning on, on one of the weekly chats that we do and uh, about how even though Europe was the first on the data privacy uh, train and seemed to really want to lock things down, they've been the ones that I think have been on the forefront of personalization using data. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, once you get through the I'm opting in, like that's really what they've said is we need people to be opting in and rather than just sucking up all the data and using it for whatever we want. And so once someone has opted in during registration or as you know, through a user agreement or something along those lines, um, being able to provide benefits back to them using that data um, through personalization, through when you walk up to the registration booth. And I know it's a little far afield of, of, of ARS, but it's, what I'm, it's, it's where this can lead to, that if you're asking questions through your ARS system, then you can start to do these personalization things, like when you walk up, you, know, you respond to what's your native language or something along those lines. And then when you walk up to registration that day, it says, welcome Brant in my native language, wherever I might be from, those kinds of personalization aspects. So you can use these types of systems as on-site surveying systems to gain that real-time access to real-time information. You know, what are you liking? What sessions are you most likely to attend? You know, if it doesn't, if you're, if you're, if you're, you know, you don't require pre-registration for the breakouts or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. You know, then you can start to actually gauge in real time how many people are going to go to each session. Um, and maybe even change things around. So if you're asking that during the general session, you know, that's where my mind starts to go immediately is to changing things on the fly and be like, oh, looks like everybody's going to go to that hacker session in, in 3.1. Maybe we can, uh, you know, cut the air wall, move the air wall and make the room next door a little smaller and make that one a little bigger. Those kinds of things. And then you hit on one other thing, Kyle, that I wanted to touch on that I thought was really important is that onboarding um, is, is yeah, I agree completely that onboarding of how you get connected is so important and we see it you know as I'm trying out a new event platform basically every week at this point and for a while it was almost every day and I pay close attention to how easy it is for the attendee Mm-hmm. to get onboarded. And if it's much more than, hey, do you want to add a picture? What's your first name, last name, and title? I get bored real quick, you know, when it comes mm-hmm. to our actual platforms. And the same goes for audience response systems. If it's this long, drawn-out process of click here, agree here, you know, do this, do that, just to be able to answer the first poll, they're already gone. How much technology would you say is too much technology where it, it ruins the experience, where like the, the attendees are getting lost on what am I supposed to pull up now? That is a very deep question, my friend. <laughs> that, is, that, is a, that is the money question, right? So literally the money question is how much you know, good money after bad are you throwing to try, and, uh, you know, to try and get engagement, to try and get that response? And so the, the, the refrain that I am just saying – as often as possible these days is that you can't buy engagement. You can't buy interactivity. You can't buy it. So 
it's it's much more important to think about the design of your event and then go look for tools and technology that are going to help you achieve those goals uh, and objectives. And so the the usual Brandt drinking game is when Brandt says goals and objectives, when Brandt says know your stakeholders, and when Brandt says it depends. So all of these things wrap up into this one topic. That question that you just asked is a massive question because people have a tendency to want to throw technology at a problem as opposed to designing their way and looking for the right technology to solve it. And so you can have the coolest you know, audience response system. And I saw this done all the time where people would spend a ton of money on, you know, a big time, you know, like polling system where people could do it via text and via the web and via the app and, you know, all this kind of stuff. But then only one presenter would use it for one question in one Mm. session. And so when you talk about what's too much technology, there's two, two different questions in there. One is, having too much technology that you're not using mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in that aspect of being too much technology. And then other, like you said, where it's too much for the attendee. And some of that, I think, can be designed out of as well, that if you've got a guide, you know, if you've got that good MC that says, okay, everybody, you know, hope you're enjoying the session. Here's what's going to happen next. You're going to click on that link, and that's going to open up an app that's a networking app. We're all going to go over there. I'll see you over there, and then I'll tell you what the next step is. Mm. But if you just say, okay, you're going to click on the app, and then there's going to be a networking event, and da 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 and you know, and you just, you know, it's this whole big complicated process to try and get into the engagement side. That's where I think people feel like it's too much technology. It's too much. So it can. You just got to hold people's hands as you go through. And I can only imagine as a speaker who are attending events after events, you know, being offered here, use this tool or or maybe the speakers themselves, they have a favorite. So what we kind of recommend to the planners would be is if you know you want to integrate a tool like this and kind of make it throughout your event process, provide your training to your speakers uh, like much further in advance, like was that while they're developing their presentation of like, this is a tool we're going to use, why we're going to use it and why, like kind of give them a little bit of why it's good for them to use it. Uh, and, you know, if you have an implementation team that can help support your speakers and, and upload it for that, that takes the, the stress off of them having to completely learn something new. But I think at least familiarizing the speakers with, this is what we recommend. And this is the experience that if you, if used the the way that we envision, this is the result that we can that you can kind of expect. But um, yeah, I think there's key moments in the event too of when to bring out these tools. Uh, I really liked how you you mentioned the personalization uh, at registration when uh, that's something we saw um, with Dualbox recently launched, whereas they're integrating the check-in process with their tool. So the moment that someone walks into a room for their session, their name is popped up on the screen and welcoming it. So they're thinking about how can we engage both pre-session, during session and post-session. and yeah, not m- thinking about the attendee if they're going from session to session. Like, how many days are they probably going to interact with this tool? And let's not make it where it's like a burden, but like a fun experience that like breaks like the ice throughout the event. There's so much that can be overcome with creativity. I mean, it's just you know whenever <laughs> you're you know whenever you're struggling to get surveys resp- you know responded to, whenever you're struggling with anything that's data related or response or feedback related, 
you know, just a little spin of fun can can make all the difference in the world. And I mean, literally, like doing a, a wheel of fun thing where everybody that answered the survey wins a, you know, a prize, you know, and that prize can be nothing. It can be a pen. <laughs> And people will want to be a part of it because there's just something fun about, you know, winning a prize and winning a, yeah. you know, winning a spin on the wheel. And, you know, I, I'm frequently talking about surveys and, you know, and a survey. Let's be real. Survey is a form of audience response. Um, if I have no incentive to to respond to your survey, the only reason I'm doing it is either out of the goodness of my heart um, <laughs> or to complain about something. And so that very much skews the data that you're getting about all of the people in the middle who were just just happy. Yeah, I just I enjoyed the show. It was good. I liked it. I'll wow. probably be back back next year. As opposed to loved it, loved it, loved it. It was the most amazing thing. And that was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Why would I ever come to this event again? And so just giving the slightest incentive of a fr- you know, a chance at a free registration for next year or a $5 gift card to Amazon or, you know, just something goes so far when it comes to responses that you're having trouble getting out of your audience. I feel that with the, the boom in event platforms, they're almost created this blurred lines from what is the difference between an audience response system versus what is just a digital engagement tool. Like you, uh, whiteboarding became really, really popular as a way uh, to interact with a, with a virtual session. Do you see something like whiteboarding be as, as popular or something that attendees can do in person with their mobile device or is an experience like that meant to stay in a virtual format? I think, again, it comes down to, you know, the creativity and the implementation, right? So, you know, there are event apps that have had multi-user whiteboarding where, you know, you as the person either in the room or out can follow along and see the slides being brought up as they're as they're done. The, uh, the company I'm thinking of is Evenium, um, and they're you know an event app, but they do this really well. The second screen type thing where you've got then your iPad down in front of you, and you can follow along in the slides as the mm. as the presenter is going. And they've got interactive whiteboard capabilities and heat map capabilities where you can throw as a presenter you can throw up. Uh, uh, a, a blank, you know, axis, like line chart, right? You know, like, so you've got an X axis and a Y axis and say, okay, where do you think our numbers are going to be in, in, you know, 2025, you know, and everybody there can tap on the slide and draw a little squiggle. And then you as the presenter can bring up a heat map to show where everybody thinks their squiggles are. And they've had that technology for a couple of years now. So as we, you know, as we return to bringing back in-person audiences to our events, I keep trying to say, let's not go back to what we were doing, but we're reincorporating mm-hmm. our in-person audiences as opposed to going back. Um, we can start to explore some of these types, this type of functionality where we can, you know, get both the people in the room uh, participating and the people back, you know, that are at home and participating via hybrid or via live stream. And, so there, there is a lot of opportunity to do these types of whiteboarding things, um, multi-person, multiplayer, you know, type uh, type things when it comes to audience response. And then I just love it as a presentation tool. I mean, I know it's not quite what we were talking about, but you know, I've been slowly tuning my 
remote presentation setup to be able to do live telestrating and you know drawing mm-hmm. and whiteboarding and pre- you know being able to cut between myself on camera a keynote presentation coming from a second laptop and then being able to draw over any of that is 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 really lighting my fire as opposed to a linear presentation that goes from A to B to C to D. You're also I feel empowering how your attendees are learning during the event too. I'm seeing a lot of audience response tools like you mentioned. You're able to see the slides on the second device. Some you're even able to go back to past slides or take notes on those slides. So I think the future of attending an event rather than maybe jotting down notes in in your notepad is being able to be connected to the event digitally while you're also watching uh, with your own eyes. Uh, but being able to uh, like that, it's almost like uh, collaborating with others who are in the room. Even you can take notes together. Um, makes it makes uh, the collaboration uh, and way to respond when there's moments where they're asking for your opinion um, more instant. Which, which brings us back around to kind of where we started, right? Which is that the reason these tools exist is because it's instantaneous feedback. And one of the surest ways to keep people engaged is to be consistently and constantly, you know, engaging them by asking their opinions about things. And what do you think about this? And, and really making their brains have to work a little bit. And, uh, you know, so having a feedback channel of any kind is always going to be better than a straight up live stream. So, you know, being able to comment on something live, um, whether you're in the room or if you're if you're watching at home, these these are the tools of the trade. And then you have to again design in the opportunity to use them of, you know, like you said, coaching your presenters and making sure that they're using the system. Oh, on that, I wanted to I wanted to say that one of the best ways to help presenters do that is to make it again as easy as possible, right? So if I, as a mm-hmm. presenter, again, have to log into a system and it's a new thing to create a password and all this kind of stuff, just as, you know, whether it's as simple as, hey, if you want to doing polling, just shoot me an email and tell me what you want in the poll and we'll get it all set up for you. And then you don't even have to think about it. That's the easiest way to get them mm-hmm. to do it. Um, but then if not, you're using a system that's super easy. Like, you know, I hadn't used Slido in a while and Will and I were presenting at a conference and they're like, oh yeah, we're using Slido. Here's the, here's the key to the back end. And it was like, click, boom, bing, and we were making polls. I mean, it was so fast. It was so easy as a presenter side. I was like, oh, yeah, this is nice. Yeah, that flexibility to be able to pre-plan everything uh, and be able to set up those questions and program them out is important, but also the ability to launch them instantaneous. If you just have a pop-up question, that should be kind of something that you're considering when looking at your audience response tool is how fast can your operator launch a question if you just are saying it verbally. And that was exactly the second half of it is that that once once he and I saw how easy it was to set up in advance – that made us comfortable doing it on the fly. So when, you know, once we were into our session and we were talking and Will like had an idea, it's like, oh wait, let me make a poll about that. And it's like, it's literally, you know, click to a different tab, tapity tap, 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 go live. It was that fast and that easy. And so when, when you make it that easy to do on the back end, it encourages your presenters to then come up with stuff on the fly. But some of those back ends are so ridiculous <laughs> that, you know, <laughs> And I want to touch on one other thing that you said right towards the beginning that I just remembered is the presentation side of it is so important. Being able to show those metrics, um, being able to show like once you've done the poll, being able to quickly and easily show the audience right away what was just answered 
in a way that looks nice. Like a lot of the early event apps that incorporated polling and Q&A, it would look fine, you know, as the attendee and something like that, but they didn't have a dedicated presenter view. Um, and mm. so you would wind up having to do things like having to scale the screen to get rid of the, the border of the web page and, you know, that kind of stuff. Or like use, you know, command or control plus on your keyboard to make it bigger or smaller uh, in the browser, that kind of stuff. So I, I'm always looking for audience response systems that have dedicated presenter views um, for the technician right. side. You know, the production, those of us in production looking for that easy, just bring it up full screen and uh, you know maybe even manage it on a different computer so that all it's doing is is presenting the the uh, the data. Where do you feel that audience response tools need to go next? That was it was right on the top of my head, man. You're we're, we're, <laughs> sync, we're in sync on this one. Um, uh, well, you know, and alternative, I want to hear your opinion on this as well. I'll, I'll but I'll answer sure. the question first. The the my take on it is again we're still struggling to kind of get back to where we were. You know, with when all of this just worked with hardware, you know, yeah. I think we're still finding a lot. Like, it feels like a lot of the tools have like two out of three bits. Like, it'll have the chat and the Q and A, but it won't have polling, or it'll have <laughs> polling and Q and A, but it won't have chat, or you know, a lot of the things. But even Zoom at this point has has polling, has chat, has Q and A. Um, well, no, even even no, because depending on whether you're using Meeting or Webinar, or webinar. Mm-hmm. it disables the Q&A versus the chat. So you can't have Q&A in a meeting and you can't really have chat in a webinar. So it's, 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 so that's where part of it is. And then, you know, as the internet speeds get faster, as 5G gets implemented, those kinds of things, we might be able to start to get past some of the latency issues. And so we might get back to the point where we can do live audio feedback with very low latency. We're real close. Zoom is yeah. not that much latency, but you wouldn't want to be in the same room you know, talking into right. the Zoom channel and then hearing yourself back because there'd be just enough delay to drive you nuts. Um, so I guess where I think it's going is that we're slowly going to be continue to piecing these things together of, you know, some of it will be built in to the technology. Some of it will remain third party that you can kind of bolt on and say, okay, great. And I've got a certain affinity f- for third parties that just integrate with everybody, right? So then, so I was... Um, I was looking at a product that is basically integrated chat that can be embedded into yeah. any platform. Right. And so being able to um, just embed it in your, in your conference webpage, into your, your event platform, into your event app, and it's all the same chat and it's all the same connection. So if I connect here and because they're looking to integrate with everybody – you could log into different platforms, log into that little chat box, and you would still have all of your same connections and your same direct messages and things like that. So I think we're going to continue to see getting back to where we were as far as being able to communicate. And then the innovations will be uh, taking advantage of cloud computing and d- databases and things like that so that our, our chat can come with us. Our, you know, our, our direct messages and our connections can kind of come with us. Those are the things that I think we're heading towards. You, wh- wh- what have you got? That's awesome. Yeah, to me, I, would, I really liked how you, you mentioned previously the, the personalization or the using that data throughout the event experience. Like, why, would, why did they ask me this question in the first place? Well, we asked you this because it's going to lead up to how your event journey is going to change up in maybe a few hours. So I would love to see if 
you know, I know the, the privacy is like the biggest challenge here, but being able to, you know, uh, when I answer a question in the room, I would love for the app or the platform to tell me uh, and recommend me uh, other like-minded people in the room of who also agreed in the same way that I did so that after the session, I can go and you know, touch upon my ideas with them in a little bit more detail. Right now, I'm really only able to see the general consensus of the room, whereas I'd love to, you know, connect with people, uh, you know, either like-minded or opposing-minded after so I can from just continue to learn from them. And where I really feel that... Uh, interacting throughout you know the with that whether that's the session or the ent entire venue i think audience response tools if we can combine the power of microtransactions within the event allowing for the attendees you know when you're watching a live stream you're able to you know tip your streamer or you're able to uh you know if if you're a, a follower or you've you know gone and, and kind of uh gotten to be a bigger part of their following you're able to interact with the session in new ways like bring up uh you know an animation on the screen or show that you're clapping so i think if we can in in include some sort of currency like, into the event whether that is a cryptocurrency or an event coin itself or uh that the it gives the attendees more ways to earn and uh, use the ways to interact within the session. Maybe that's turning on the the lights to be a different color in the room because they really loved what that speaker said. Um, or if that's playing a sound uh, during the presentation. While, while we don't want it to disturb the presenter, I think the way that we can integrate technology and audience response tools with the venue, um, there's a lot of opportunity there. And and I this is something that I kind of poo pooed when I first saw it, but even just like the little emojis of like you know where you click on something and it makes a clap right, and it, it kind of bubbles mm -hmm. up, you know, kind of the Facebook style uh, where you you click on it and it bubbles up. There's something to that though, like you know, like I said, I kind of made fun of it at first, but then when I was in an event because it starts to give you a feel for what other people feel. And, you know, so when you're in the room, you can kind of feel the energy in the room of people like, yeah, we're way into this guy. And like, oh, it's hanging on every word and, you know, and, you know, clapping at the, you know, the moment they're done and all that kind of stuff. And that's harder to get that vibe when you're the remote audience and to get a vibe for who mm. the remote audience is. And so even those little subtle cues of being able to click, you know, a single clap versus clap, 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 you know, bang on the button, you know, just that kind of thing, you know. And there's been various folks that have tried to do different takes on that, including audio, where you could pipe in audio into the room from the remote audience based on how hard they were mashing the clap button and things like that. But even just that visual representation, I think, is kind of nice to be able to feel like you're part of something bigger to feel like you're part of a larger audience uh, as the remote audience all right i know you've got some recommendations that you've been putting together your top tools of, of audience stuff i've already mentioned just a couple of mine so i'll keep my list short and then pass it off to you again um you know i'm i i have recently rediscovered slido and i'm a pretty big fan of how easy that is to use. Um, Paul Everywhere is still kind of uh, a bit of a gold standard when it comes to I need to have as many different ways as possible mm -hmm. for people to access it as far as texting versus uh, web interface versus, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And then the one that I just mentioned, which again, I just got a demo on like a week or so ago, uh, is Hover with just H-O-V-R by Hio, H-I-O. And that, mm -hmm. those are the ones, guys, that are doing the... Uh, 
integrated chat. That, so you can do it. So if you think about like when you go to a website and that little chat, it, it's on Endless. So if you go to Endless and the little chat box comes up in the corner and says, what can we help you with? Imagine that, only that's the chat for your event. Mm-hmm. So it pops up and says, hey, would you like to sign in and start chatting with other attendees? And again, that's all through their platform. So you can sign in once and have DMs and connections and all that kind of stuff. And then they're trying to integrate with as many platforms as will take them. And so you could really imagine this idea of um, no matter what platform you log into, your chats and your DMs and stuff like that follow you. So I think it's a fascinating concept. And again, I have a soft spot in my heart for glue and third-party integrations that you yeah. know are just kind of the things that are running behind the things as opposed to the, uh, the shiny platforms out front. So, all right, what are, what are your tools? I mean, a tool like Hio there, that, that's, that, that turns any website into an event platform right there. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, I think we'll try. And, the problem is it's, it's one of those things you kind of need to see. So it's hard for a podcast. I've been waffling on bringing James on to talk about it, but it's, mm. he might be able to expand a bit on it. So we'll see if we can get him on the podcast. Perfect. Yeah, so some of the tools I would love to share with everyone is if you're looking to bring your virtual audience on on stage, two amazing tools that are you know really uh, innovative right now, SparkUp Now and Virtual Seat, depending on how you're trying to show you know and interact with your virtual audience with the in-person presenter, um, great tools to bring them on. Uh, another one that is started out in, in incorporating at sports games was called 15 Seconds of Fame. So when your picture gets blown up on the Jumbotron, so maybe picture yourself, you know, attending a keynote and there you are. Well, that 15 seconds of your fame now can be saved and you can share that on social media. So it's capturing those moments um, that you're too, you, you don't want to pull out your phone and capture it. You want to be in the moment and uh, be up on the Jumbotron. And one tool that it really fascinated me at Event Tech Live was uh, Dualbox. So Dualbox is this audience response tool that you can integrate with multiple operators throughout your venue. Um, and regardless of what activity you're taking part in as an attendee, your score of those activities and your responses, they're all carried with you to whatever room or session you go to. Um, so whether that's a, a wheel of luck, like you mentioned, and you're trying to earn a prize there, we'll be able to see that and your speaker can call that out like, wow, awesome job winning that, you know, that last, uh, that activity in the last session. Um, and yeah, they do a great job of bringing in those small like games into that those pre-event or the pre-session or post-session like activities. Uh, and Ping Games does uh, another tool that really does that same thing, uh, being able to drive you know a car on your phone and, and compete with everyone else in the room. Those are those experiences you have when you're attending a sports game, like you're watching the donuts and the coffee run across the the, the jumbotron, and uh, maybe you win a prize based on who you picked. But yeah, lastly, I'll conclude with uh, I love like different ways that you can incorporate drawing. And like you mentioned, how the just the advancement of when you were able to do free text entries into tools. Now you can do hand drawing uh, with uh, pickles is the tool. So if you're looking to do Pictionary like games or uh, drawing based challenges, uh, take a look at pickles and see how, how your attendees can draw on their own device and share their responses in that way. 
But what I would th- what what's great about all of these tools is, regardless of your budget, there's something for you and your event. Um, it could start as as low as a hundred dollars a month to bring in a tool like this, but it could also boom up to a uh, hundred thousand dollars for that w- for that one event. Um, so it really depends on you know that latency, that overall experience. So um, as you're planning your in-person and hybrid strategies, um, think about how you can bring these these tools that really advanced virtually. Um, uh, into those experiences. Nice. So great. I think that's probably a good a place as any to uh, leave it. Um, I think uh, I think I said uh, James, and I actually meant John from Hio. But James is somebody else who you're probably going to meet, who is another person I met with in the last week. Um, uh, there's a little teaser on that. That it is a product that is not currently being marketed to the event industry that I think could be marketed to the event industry. So we're going to have an audience feedback episode where we're going to talk about a product and uh, get as honest feedback as you guys can get us. Speaking of feedback, we want to hear what you think. What is the future of audience response systems? Let us know at eventtechpodcast at helloendless.com. Kyle, thanks so much for stepping in and talking with us today. Oh, absolutely, Brandt. Look forward to being back soon. Yeah, yeah. I think I got a feeling Cal's going to be a regular here on Event Tech Podcast. So thanks again. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we want to know what you think. Let us know where you think the future of audience response is. Hit us up on Twitter, you know, LinkedIn, everywhere. We're all everywhere, uh, wherever you want to go. Will usually does the closing, so I don't pay that much attention to what he actually says during it. I know you do, though, at home. So with that, thank you so much for listening. We'll hear you all next time on the Event Tech Podcast. Event Tech out. Thanks again for listening to the Event Tech Podcast. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also be sure to head to eventtechpodcast.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. Ask a follow-up question or let us know about some event tech we need to talk about. We'll see you next week on the Event Tech Podcast.